take a look at chapter 3 and, and chapter 4 and, and look at Moses' encounter with God. So if we take a look at it, uh, chapter Exodus chapter 3, it recognized what's going on with Moses for just a second. He's literally standing in front of a burning bush that's talking to him. Now, now, if you're like me, sometimes you read through scripture and you're like, all right, that's cool. Like, I'll just keep reading the story. Like, for, for just a second, can you pause and, and just recognize what in the heck is going on? Like, imagine you were walking down one of the greenways in Lake Norman and you came up to a tree and it was burning. And not only was it burning, it wasn't being consumed. So the branches were still there. And the closer you got, that sucker started talking to you. Like, like I, don't know, I don't know if you're like me, but I'd probably freak out a little bit and go, nope, not going that way. Like, I'll, like, like be real with yourself in the room. Like, I'd be like, no, 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 that's not for me. That's, that's weird. Like, that, that's weird. So, so Moses gets a little closer, and then the voice that was coming from the bush actually started directing Moses to lead the Israelites out of slavery. So again, modern-day version, you're walking down the road. And you see this tree, it's burning, and you're like, ah. And, and then the voice that comes from it tells you to do something a little crazy. Hey, I want you to go to a foreign nation, and everyone that's in captivity, you're actually going to release them from slavery. Hey, hey, I want you to go to pick any country that you want to, right, any dictatorship. I want you to go to North Korea. Hey, Zach, you're going to go to North Korea. You're going to talk to a, uh, I almost made a joke there, Paul. I can't say that. It's the joke that you always make. That would have been bad. Uh, if y'all know Paul, he's from South Korea, and he always makes a joke that his uncle lives in North Korea, and his name is Kim. That's not funny. I can't say stuff like that in church, but that's what Paul always says. Now, I'm, I'm racist. Goodness. Forgive me. But could you imagine that if that really happened in today's time? If you heard from this bush... Now, now, here's the crazy thing. It was miraculous that the bush was burning. It was miraculous that a voice came from it. And, and Moses was like standing there in front of the bush and goes, okay, I can come to grips with that. Like, I guess that's possible. But as soon as God said, hey, I need you to do something, Moses went, nope, not that miraculous. Nope, can't happen. You're not that good. You, you could be good enough to, to set a bush on fire and talk to me, but you ain't that good. You're not that good to use me. And if you look at Exodus chapter 3, verse 11, this is Moses' first response. Moses said to God, who am I? Who, who, who am I? God, do you, do you know me? Do you know that I came from Egypt? You know I killed a dude. Like, who, who am I that you could even use me? There, there's no way. You, you couldn't use me? And then the second response gets me a little more. Exodus uh, chapter 3, verse 13. Moses said to God, suppose I go. Who do I tell him sent me? Now, now let me give you Zach Witt's translation. His first response was, who am I? His second response was, who are you? Like, like, you, like yeah, cool, you can do the bush thing, but, but who are you to say that you can use, who are you to say that you can use me? God gives Moses a vision of freedom and wants to use Moses. But I need us to catch this for a second. Moses' first enemy wasn't Pharaoh. Moses' first enemy isn't the Israelites who can be stubborn and rebellious. Moses trips over himself. 
Moses' first enemy is Moses. Then Moses makes a series of excuses. I can't. I can't. I can't. What about this? What about, and we're going to take a look at that story. But our excuses can be the biggest roadblock to our freedom. See, see, he started with a stutter. He started by saying, I can't do this. Moses could see the vision. He could say, okay, yeah, somebody can lead the Israelites out of slavery. Ain't going to be me. But he couldn't see the steps to get, get there. So today, I want to preach on having a stutter step. Now, where, where's my basketball fans in the room? Any, any, any basketball fans in the room? Listen, again, shameless plug. Today, 3 o'clock in Concord, we're hooping. If you think you can come score on Paul, he's like, I got the best defense on the court. So come, come score on me. But stutter step, in my opinion, I think one of the best ones to ever do it. Y'all can give me some hate if you want to. I think one of the best ones to ever do it is Derrick Rose. I think that D. Rose, any D. Rose fans in the room? No, just me. One. Awesome. We'll go have lunch after. Everyone else doesn't watch basketball. Whatever. Bad analogy. Here we go. But, but at, first, at first glance, what is a stutter step? A stutter step is when you chop your feet. Now, if you play basketball, if you watch someone do a stutter step, especially if they don't know how to do it well, it looks like they're tripping over themselves. It looks like they're about to go down. But the reality of it is if you use a stutter step properly, you chop your feet for a split second and then you explode past the defensive player. So the defense is guarding you and the idea of a stutter step is you want them to come up out of their defensive stance because they think that you're going to shoot. And as soon as they come up out of that defensive stance, you explode past them. But the reality of it is only an offensive player can use a stutter step effectively. So this idea of a stutter step, the stutter actually gives the offensive player an advantage. But what does it look like to stutter step in real life? What does it look like to maybe be unsure? What does it look like to chop your feet? What does it look like to pause for a split second? And I think we can see this in Scripture. I think we see it well with Moses. So chapter 4, verse 1, Moses protested again. And he says this. He says, what if they don't believe me or listen to anything that I have to say? What if they don't believe that the Lord appeared to me? If you're taking notes, write this down. Too often we're concerned with what other people think. We're so concerned with how people will respond to us. What will they think? What will they say? How will they react? Pastor, you just don't get it. Like, I've lived a rough life, and if I tell someone I'm a Christian now, they're just going to laugh at me. Okay, and? We're so concerned with what other people say. And this might be the single greatest cause of keeping people locked in mediocrity. We're too concerned with what other people think. One of the most freeing things in my entire life is I just don't care what people think about me. Like I'll have a respect for them. But listen, if you're going to think negative thoughts toward me and you're going to tell me I can't do something and you're going to tell me I'm a failure and you're going to tell me that I can't become this because of that, bump you. Like I'm just not going to listen to you. I'm not going to let that type of negativity in my life. And this is God's response to Moses. He says, Moses, what's in your hand? Then the Lord asked him, what's in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied, throw it on the ground, the Lord told him. 
So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a stake and Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. Now that's when Zach Witt would have been going, you ain't that miraculous. Nope, not grabbing a snake by the tail. But Moses reached out and grabbed its tail. So Moses reached and grabbed it and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. God's solution to your excuses of what will other people think is to show up with the miraculous. See, when we're concerned about other people's thoughts, we can't see the miraculous of God. Moses' second stutter was this. He said, my weakness and insecurities are too great. Chapter 4, verse 10. But Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been. In fact, um, even though you have spoken to me, I get a little tongue-tied. And my words get tangled. But God's response is this. And allow me to have a little bit of creativity uh, here. I imagine, I imagine that, that God was like, what? Like, and this is his response. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or don't speak? Who decides whether people hear or don't hear, see or do not? Is it not I, the Lord? So Moses is like, I, I'm, not, I'm not good with words. And God's like, do you know who I am? Like, do you know what I do? Do you know that I set the universe in to mo- or into motion? Verse 12, now go. I'll be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. See, our stutter sounds a lot like this. My past is too bad. These chains have been in my family for years. See, everyone in my family ends up in divorce. Everyone in my family is an alcoholic. Everyone in my family is gluttonous. The list goes on and on and on and on. And then we end up throwing our hands up saying, I've battled this for too long. I, I can't do this anymore. We give up. God, you can't. There's no way. I, I, can't, I can't deal with this e- anymore. If I just ignore it, if I just accept it, then at least I can live a life of mediocrity. But God is bigger than our weaknesses. If we allow God to be bigger than our weaknesses, then our stutter actually becomes our testimony. I told you a stutter step is used for what? To explode past the defensive player, not to stand in the position that you're in. If you can accept your stutter, then you can still take the offensive. See, Zach Witt grew up in a crack house. Zach Witt's parents got divorced. Zach Witt's dad died of heart failure at the age of 50. Zach Witt's family is hooked on heroin. Listen, I'm tired of talking about the negative, and some of us need to refuse to talk about the negative and talk about the positive. Some of us have just accepted being a negative statistic. Some of us have just said, well, that's what society says, so that's who I have to be. Listen, I should be divorced, but I love my wife. I should be hooked on drugs, but they scare the nonsense out of me. Bump that. I I refuse to be a negative statistic. So, somebody's like, oh, the air just got sucked out of the room. No, let's put some air back in the room. Refuse to be a negative statistic. But I'll say this. Even after I encounter God, I still stutter. E- even after I encounter God, I still have fears. I still have failures. I still have things that I'm dealing with. But if I'm going to stutter, then I'm going to stutter for Jesus. If I'm going to stutter, then I'm going to say, all right, you see it, so use it. I'm going to go on 
the offensive. How, how does Moses stutter again? He says something like this. Someone else can do it better. How many times have we heard that in our own life? Or we've had that own self-talk. Ah, somebody else can do it better. Yeah, I might, I might be able to get it done, but, but man, if, if my company would just get this person to do it, they, they could probably do it better. Let me read the verse. Chapter 4, verse 13. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send someone else. Cool. You got the bush. You can talk to me. I see, I see the vision. I'm not, I'm not feeling the steps. I don't understand the steps. Can you please send someone else? Verse 14 says this. Then the Lord became very angry with Moses. All right, he said. What about your brother? What about Aaron? I know he speaks well. And look, he's even on his way to see you now. He'll be delighted to see you. Talk to him, and you put the words in his mouth. I will be with you both as you speak, and I will instruct you both in what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece, and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. Take your shepherd's staff with you and use it to perform the miraculous signs I have shown you. Our response is too often, use somebody else. So, someone else would be a better husband to my wife. So, someone else would be a better father to my children. So, someone else could lead this division in this company better than I could. Someone else could pastor this church better. Someone else. even We even say things like this. God can heal other people, but he won't heal me. God can restore someone else's marriage, but mine is too far gone. God, God can take the addiction away from someone else, but I'm too weak. Well, let's take it a step further. We could even say things like this. I don't have the influence like someone else has. My social media page isn't as big as someone else, so people aren't going to listen to what I have to say. I don't have the charisma like someone else. I don't have the talent like someone else. I don't have the speaking ability like someone else. Even in God's frustration and anger, he still had grace with Moses. He sent Aaron. God's solution is this. God will always bring you the people you need to achieve what he has called you to achieve. So the question is this, are we going to believe our own excuses or are we going to believe God? Split the script just a little bit. What's your stutter? What are, what are you stuttering with in your life? What's owning real estate in your head? What's your stutter? I would challenge you even now. Jot down your stutter. Ch challenge God a bit. Okay, you're that miraculous. You can speak to me through your word. All right, then use this, God. This is my biggest stutter. You use this. I believe all the excuses really pointed to one thing for Moses. Moses was going back to people who knew who he was. Moses was going back to where he came from. Moses is looking back at Egypt going, nope, I killed a dude over there. And as soon as I go back, they're going to know who I am. He just didn't want to be recognized. He didn't want to hear the murmurs. He didn't want to hear what people had to say about him. But for every stutter, God has a response. Moses said, God responded. Five times in the course of two chapters, Moses questioned God and God responded. God will always respond in our life. The problem is the enemy responds too. The question is, what voice are you going to listen to? Growing up, uh, played a lot of baseball. And, and I don't, any sports people in the room, let me take it a step further. Any trash talkers in the room? 
Listen, I can talk trash with the best of them. Y'all probably wouldn't think I was a pastor if y'all heard me talking trash to somebody. But I, I, remember, I remember playing baseball. And, and listen, where I'm from, like, you, you don't take anything from anybody. So they're going to talk trash and you're going to talk trash. But I tell you what, man, the teams that I played against, they were ruthless. I wore number five on, on the back of my jersey and uh, step up to the plate. Oh, number five. Hey, you're too small, number five. Hey, hey, outfield, bring it in. Hit, there's no, there's no, man, he's trash. There's no way he can hit the ball that far. Hey, go ahead and throw a high fastball because he chases every fastball up top. You know, I'd say I try to steal a base. Oh, number five, slow. Let him on base. He ain't going nowhere. Like, they, would just, they would just talk trash, right? Josh, you remember people talking trash playing basketball? Did you, talk, you were a trash talker, weren't you? A little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul, Paul you're starting to talk a little more trash. I think it's because you're hanging out with me too much. I, I talk trash on Sunday afternoons at 3 o'clock. Another shameless plug. But we, we talk. We talk trash. The voice of the opposing team, it was the voice of, of the enemy. And I, I'll be honest with you, sometimes, sometimes I'd let it in my head. Sometimes I'd let it affect the way I would perform. But then, then there was this whistle that would pierce through the crowd. There was this whistle that, that always got my attention. And after that whistle, it was always followed by, hey, number five, get your head up. Hey, hey number five, you'll get it next time. Hey, number five, dig in a little deeper. Hey, number five, hustle a little harder. Hey, number five, have a little more heart. And it was the voice of my dad. And regardless of what the opposing team was saying, regardless of what the other players were saying, I always recognized the voice of my pops. It would pierce through any other voice that was challenging me. The problem is, church, we don't understand or recognize the voice of God because, honestly, we just don't spend enough time with him. See, I recognize the voice of my pops because I lived with him. I, I recognize the voice of my dad because I was in his house. I recognize the voice of my dad because we had conversations every single day. We don't recognize the voice of God because too often we're just not in his house. I don't recognize the voice of God because too often we just don't dive into Scripture enough. We, if we're honest, we don't know what God sounds like. Well, what if you could start understanding and recognizing the voice of God in your life just a little more? Would you start listening to the voice of God opposed to the voice of the enemy? Here's the crazy thing. Uh, my self-talk, like even, so my dad passed away a couple years ago, but my self-talk now sounds a lot like the voice of my dad. My self-talk sounds like, all right, Zach, hey, you can hustle a little harder. Hey, Zach, you might not be the strongest in the room. Hey, Zach, you might not be the smartest in the room. Hey, Zach, you might not have the talents like everyone else has, but you can hustle harder than everybody. You can have more heart than everybody. And it sounds like the things that my dad poured into me as a kid. What voice are you allowing in your life? So we have... Um, 21 Days of Freedom that starts tomorrow. Band, if you guys could go ahead and come back up. Any, any C.S. Lewis fans in the room? Great author. If you've never read a C.S. Lewis book, I would challenge you uh, to read one. It's phenomenal. There's a book that C.S. Lewis wrote. It's called The Screwtape Letters. And Lewis's approach in writing this book was to take uh, the vantage point of the enemy. So he, he writes as if, uh, now bear with me for, again, use some creative liberty. He writes as if he was a, a demon. And, and he writes as if 
he is talking to a, a younger demon or a lesser demon that's trying to get a human to turn away from following God. See, Lewis's approach is, is writing from the enemy's perspective. And if we can understand the enemy's perspective in our life, then we'll, we'll be able to understand what he's doing. We'll be able to understand his plots. We'll be able to understand the direction he's trying to take us. Last week, we talked about having some steps to freedom. But the question is this, yeah, but how? Like, cool, pastor, you go talk about some freedom. Well, t- tell me how to get there. So we're actually going to take a spiritual and a practical approach to this. Damon, would you guys throw that video up? What would it be like if you could live free, truly free, in the year 2021? Hey, my name is Zach. I'm pastor of Multiply Lake Norman, and this is my wife, Jenna. And we'd like to invite you along with us to 21 Days of Freedom, a life-changing daily series that will help you break free from strongholds in your life and live in fullness, just as God intended us to do. Walk with us through one of the greatest liberation stories of all times in the book of Exodus and discover how this age-old story can deeply impact and change your life. Take your first steps to freedom today. So I need everyone to go ahead and get their phones out. Seriously, like reach in your pocket, grab your phone. I'm the, I got the microphone so I can do stuff like this. We're a little different at the church. Like, sure, we got a service order, but change some stuff around. Grab your phones. Hey, what I want you to do is go to the app store. If you haven't downloaded the, the Multiply app, man, this is why I want you to download it. It's, we're not trying to get your information. We're not trying to sell it to anybody. But we have 21 days of freedom coming out starting tomorrow. And for the next 21 days, we're going to have uh, a method and a rhythm to showing people, taking the steps to true freedom. This is what it's going to look like. Five days of content, one day of review, and one day of rest for three straight weeks. And I want you to see how God moves in your life. So multiply family and churches. Once you download the app, choose that Lake Norman location. For the days of content, each day is going to look like this. We're going to have a passage of scripture that we're going to dive in together. Then we're going to go and and we're going to have a key verse that we're going to kind of think about, meditate on, and pray through. Then we're going to have a key thought. And the key thought is going to use that C.S. Lewis kind of mentality. We're going to take that screw tape letter mentality and we're going to have the voice of the enemy and the voice of the father. I want to give you an example of what the voice of the enemy could sound like in your life. So I'm going to read day one for you. The voice of the enemy sounds something like this. Here's my plan. I want to destroy the human's hope before it even has a chance to take root. You know how powerful hope is, don't you? If the humans get a hold of hope, even just a tiny bit, it can be toxic to our cause. Don't underestimate its power. We need to bring the full attack, the full force, because if the seed of hope is planted, it's quite difficult to choke it out. Put thoughts in the human's mind like this. Do you really think it's going to work. Go, go ahead, get your hopes up so I can dash them against the rocks just like I did last time. It's even better to have low expectations because then you can meet them every single time. Remember how you felt the time you got your hopes up? Remember the disappointment? Remember the disappointment with God? Remember the disappointment with yourself? How you felt like such a failure? How you were embarrassed to show your face in public? You thought everyone was looking at you, talking about you, judging you. You were certainly judging yourself, calling yourself worthless, calling yourself 
a failure. Do everything within your power to remind them of the brutality of their slavery. Keep their minds fixed on their chains and their circumstances. Remind them of the people who have failed them. Remind them of every past failed attempt at freedom. Remind them of the seemingly unanswered prayers. Remind them of their weakness. If hope is the greatest tool of their father, then certainly discouragement is our mightiest weapon. But then the voice of the father sounds something like this in our life. My son, my daughter, I know how the enemy is trying to discourage you. I know that he's filling your head with thoughts of past circumstances and failures. I know he is loudly reminding you of every person who has hurt you and abandoned you, every person that you've lost. I want you to know that the things can change. I want you to know that that you can change. I wouldn't lie to you. I wouldn't promise you in my word just to fool you or trick you or to get your hopes up. I am a good father. A good father would never do that to his children. Through Christ, you are children of Abraham, children of the promise. You are heirs of hope. My words that I give to my children thousands of years ago are still true today. Take a moment to read them. Read them out loud slowly. They are my words for you and for your future. And scripture says this, church. God is speaking and he says, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression. and I will rescue you from slavery. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people. I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from all oppression. I will bring you into a land I swore to give Abraham, that I swore to give Isaac and Jacob. I will give to you your very own possession. Why? Because I am the Lord. Church, let's stand all across this room.